You're listening to a sermon from Emmaus City Church, located in Worcester, Massachusetts. We seek to walk in union with Jesus and share his good news with our community. Yes, it's my pleasure in kind of a way to provide a segue from our previous series where we were in some of the Psalms, uh, then stepping into Lent in this series about desert spaces and the Deliverer who steps into desert spaces. Uh, I wanted to look at Psalm 107. And Psalm 107 is not only one of my favorite Psalms, but uh, I love that it's in a collection of probably my favorite spread of Psalms. So Psalm 103 to Psalm 107, uh, I love all of them. And if you were to look at it, Psalm 104 is the Psalm that rejoices in God our Creator. And then if you look at Psalm 105 and 106 and 107, it, it displays where the crisis is breaking into our lives, but God is making promises and gathering a people that whether they've been a rebellion against Him or they've seemingly been deserted in those desert spaces, that He is stepping into them. And that some of the times it's sins that we participate in personally that we do against God. Some of the time are things that have been done to us. But in the midst of that, God continues to come. And the reason why I mentioned Psalm 103 and why I read from it this morning or this afternoon was that it's this wonderful personalized psalm. So if you were to look at 104 through 107, you see what God has been doing in creation, how He's been dealing with the enemy, how He's been dealing with our rebellion, how He's been making covenant promises and gathering a people to Himself. Psalm 103 three is kind of this personalized psalm. How do I respond to this? And, uh, and so that is, I couldn't preach all those psalms. We'd be here a long time. So uh, I'm not going to step into that this afternoon. But for the kids and adults, I want you to look at the moments that God says he delivers in Psalm 107. What has just happened to these people? And then God steps in and he says, I will deliver. And in fact, He's delivering in relationship to these other D words. And they're potent words. They're words that hit us. When we experience these other D words, we need a deliverer. And so I want to invite my daughter, Zoe, to come up. We are going to read this together. And in the midst of reading through this together, uh, Zoe is going to at the end, pray for the preaching of God's Word. And so Zoe will begin by reading verses 1 through 3 of Psalm 107. I give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. Those He redeemed from the hand of the foe. Those He gathered from the lands from east and west, from north and south. Some wandered in desert wastelands, finding no way to a city where they could settle. They were hungry and thirsty, and their lives ebbed away. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and He delivered them from their distress. He led them by a straight way to a city where they could settle. Let them give thanks to the Lord for His unfailing love and His wonderful deeds for mankind, for He satisfies the thirsty and fills the hungry with good things. Some sat in darkness, in utter darkness, prisoners suffering in iron chains. Because they rebelled against God's commands and despised the plans of the Most High. So he subjected them to bitter labor. They stumbled and there was no one to help. 
Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them from their distress. He brought them out of darkness, the utter darkness, and broke away their chains. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wondrous deeds for mankind. For he breaks down gates of bronze and cuts through bars of iron. Some became fools through their rebellious ways and suffered affliction because of their iniquities. They loathed all food and drew near the gates of death. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble and he saved them from their distress. He sent out his word and healed them. He rescued them from the grave. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for, the man, for mankind. Let them sacrifice thank offerings and tell of his works with songs of joy. Some went out on the sea in ships. They were merchants on mighty waters. They saw the works of the Lord, his wonderful deeds in the deep. For he spoke and stirred up a tempest that lifted high the waves. They mounted up into the heavens and went down to the depths. In their peril, peril their courage melted away. They reeled and staggered like junk, drunkards. They were at their wits end. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he brought them out of their distress. He stilled the storm to a whisper. The waves of the sea were hushed. They were glad when it grew calm, and he guided them to their desired haven. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wondrous deeds for mankind. Let them exalt him in the assembly of the people and praise him in the council of the elders. He turned rivers into a desert, flowing springs into thirsty ground and fruitful land into a salt waste because of the wickedness of those who live there. He turned the desert into pools of water and the parched ground into flowing springs. There he brought the hungry to live and they founded a city where they could settle. They sowed fields and planted vineyards that yielded a fruitful harvest. He blessed them and their numbers greatly increased and he did not let their herds diminish. Then their numbers decreased and they were humbled by oppression, calamity, and sorrow. He who pours contempt on nobles made them wander in a trackless waste. But he lifted the needy out of their affliction and increased their families like flocks. The upright see and rejoice, but all the wicked shut their mouths. Let the one who is wise heed these things and ponder the loving deeds of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. God, would you deliver us out of our distress? And would you send more people into our midst so that we can increase the family of God? God, you've turned deserts into pools of water and, parched the, and the parched ground into flowing streams. God, I pray that you would just help people to come to know you and that you would deliver us out of our troubles and our distress. Thanks, uh, Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So again, kids and adults, in the midst of this deliver in the desert spaces, what are other D words that help us understand what a desert space is like? Dry. Dry. Death. Yeah, it can seem deadly. In fact, there was a group of people that got close to the gates of death. Despair. Yep. Despair can seemingly set in in these desert spaces. Darkness. Darkness. 
So I want you to consider as you hear these words. Desert. Distress. Dry. Despair. Darkness. And deadly. Which one stirs your heart in ways that makes you perhaps a little afraid? Which one is a space that you say, you know what? I don't like to be in spaces like that. And in fact, if we're honest, we might think that those spaces are the most powerful things in our lives. That they seemingly swallow us and we can't get out. Well, the reminder today is no matter what that desert space you are in is, you are not deserted. Let me say that again. Just because you're in a desert space does not mean you're deserted. Amen. The God who delivers, the reminder here. How many times, again, kids or adults, how many times did we come up into a space like this, but the psalmist was reminding us, but then he delivered, he saved. How many times did that happen in this psalm? Anyone want to share with me? It wasn't just one time. Many. It wasn't just two times. It wasn't just three times. It was four times. So in the course of that reading, in that course of that looking, in the course of these different groups of people, again, some of which have created their dark spaces, some of which they could do nothing about. And because we're broken people in a broken world, sometimes we step into distress of our own making. Sometimes... It's nothing we could have done to arrive there. But the key in when we look at this psalm, when we step into this, is that we look at verses 2 and 3, which in some ways mirror the song we sang about faithful to the end. That second verse says, The Father's heart that's for me, a never-ending story of love that's always chasing me. When we look at verses 2 and 3 in Psalm 107, let the, the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. Those He redeemed from the hand of the foe. Those He gathered from the lands, from east and west, from north and south. This God, this Deliverer, is going throughout the stretches of the earth to find people in their distress, to find people in their despair, to find people in their doubt, to find people in their dryness, to find people at the gates of death and bring deliverance. And so will we give thanks, will we step into this psalm, not as just a story we get to hear, but a story we get to live into. That in the midst of this Lenten season, if this will be a time in which Jesus wants to encounter you, and you're the one that's created the spaces that are desert places because of your sin, that He's offering deliverance to you. Whether you've been sinning or you've been sinned against, and all of us, have participated. There is none righteous, no, not one. All of us have participated in a system that often brings distress, but all of us as well have either received it from others or given it to others. And in that space, Jesus is turning His ear. And you'll notice, whether you created this space or not, It says for everyone that cried out to the Lord, they received deliverance. And so in humility, will we cry out again? Will we sing out again? Will we sit in the silence? Will we tell this story? Verses 1 through 3 could be about people who give thanks and tell the story across the world. 
Verses 4-9 through could be a people who wander into desert wastelands that showcase that some of us don't feel like we have a home. Some of us literally are refugees seeking a home. And because of the systems of this world, the wandering happens in desert wastelands. And the heat is hot. And the food is scarce. And the people willing to help seemingly have long gone. But again... When they cried out in verse 6, in the midst of their hunger and thirst, when they saw their lives ebbing away, they didn't just lean into the silence of despair. Verse 6 says, They cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and He delivered them from their distress. We need to hear the cry of the church that hasn't given up hope in God even when they don't know where their water's coming from, even when they don't know when they're going to get their next meal, even when they can't call a place home because they've been pushed out of their land. In those desert wastelands, there's still a voice giving testimony that there's a deliverer who's come. Amen. And we need to hear, we need to turn our ears with Jesus to hear those voices. At the same time, in verses 10 through 16, it tells a story of people in darkness, prisoners suffering in chains, but they are the guilty ones that deserve to be in that space. They are the ones that have earned their chains. They rebelled against God's commands in verse 11 and despised the plans of the Most High. I don't know about you, but how many times have you said, God, I think I know a better way? God, I think I could make this story be more exciting. God, to be honest, I don't think you're moving quick enough. God, to be honest, I think this should go easier. And our labor becomes bitter and we stumble. And there's seemingly no one to help. Not even our, We can't even help ourselves anymore. <laughs> we had worn the crown for long enough, but in the midst of those chains, we're like, man, I can't even get myself out of this place. And again, Pastor Travoris is a chaplain in the prison and surely he can tell us stories from the men's own lips he's heard about what it's like to be in that space. And we need to hear how they cried out. And in those moments, Pastor Travoris has shared with me before the service that on Wednesday night, there were at least two men that cried out and said, I'm crying out to the Lord for help. I want to receive Jesus. We need to hear that testimony from those cells because they will disciple us. Why? Because in verse 13, on that Wednesday night, right now in Maya City, then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and what? He saved them from their distress. Amen. Let them give thanks to the Lord for His unfailing love and His wonderful deeds for mankind. Those others that are fault, maybe their rebellion hasn't led them to a prison cell. But we see that some became fools through their rebellious ways and suffered affliction because of their iniquities. They loathed all food and drew near the gates of death. Some of us have lived with such abandon away from God that those thoughts of whether life is worth living come to us and we wonder, would it be better if I didn't exist? Would it be better if that person didn't exist? Life just doesn't taste good anymore and I don't think the Lord tastes good either. If you've been there, you can testify to that. Some of us mentally or emotionally as well as physically, whether through disease or depression, may get to those spaces where food doesn't really taste good. 
And drawing to the one who gives life just doesn't seem worth it. We'd rather draw near the gates of death. But see, we need their testimony. Because verse 19 says, And then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble. And He saved them from their distress. And what did He do? In verse 20, He sent out His word and He healed them and He rescued them from the grave. This is Jesus on the move. This is God the Father and God the Son with the Holy Spirit saying, we see Him, let's go after Him. It's time to do this rescue operation. And so the Word is sent and with the Word comes healing and rescue from the grave itself is given. Maybe verse 20 is where you need to stop. Maybe we need to remember that we are worshiping a God of resurrection. And verse 21, when we encounter a resurrecting God, what happens? We give thanks to the Lord for His unfailing love and His wonderful deeds for mankind. We don't have a God who's keeping His distance. Whether we're the ones that are in the wastelands trying to find a place to call home. Whether we're the ones that are in prison because we are fully guilty. Whether we're the ones where we think that there's nothing good for us in this life. Whether to be received from others or from God or given to others from God. All of these people in those moments when they say, but I'm going to cry out to God again. We get to hear again the God who delivers And then we have this interesting group that goes out in the seas with ships and they were merchants in the mighty waters. They were trying to benefit. They were trying to get the best from life. They were making their plans. They were saying, if I invest here and I do this, this should be my return. But even in the midst of that, will we receive that God may be gracious in not making those plans come about? That we can think our greatest investment that yields the greatest return and we go out on those waters with what we value in our wealth. And then the waves are too much. Too high and too low. And verse 26 says, In their peril their courage melted away and they reeled and staggered like drunkards and they were at their wits end. You know what guys? For some of us, we got to get to the end of our reason because our wit's end hasn't been reached yet and so we're not crying out for help yet because we're still our own Savior. They had to get to their wit's end and if anything for us in the West with all the information we have, we may need to still get to those wit's end. That God is increasing those waves and we're wondering what's going on but in, in reality He's being very gentle and gracious to get us to our wit's end. So we don't think we can outthink God. We don't think we're wiser than God. We don't think that the Word of God isn't quite as good as we thought it is. God's saying, no, no, no. I'm going to get you to the wit's end of that. Because then what will happen in verse 28? Even those who have their great wealth and their great wits will cry out to the Lord in their trouble and He brings them out of their distress. It is a gracious prayer for us as a church if we actually prayed into each other's lives that we would get to the end, whether it's of our wits, of our sin, of our rebellion, of our wandering, and cry out so we can see the Lord hear us. Whether it's in distress, whether it's in the desert, whether it's in the darkness, 
whether it's the gates of death. Why? Because every time people cried out to the Lord in verses 6 and 13 and 19 and 28, they were heard and given what they were needed. And so I ask you to consider maybe what D word describes the place in which God is inviting you to cry out. To understand just how much of a deliverer He is for you, but also to see what kind of deliverance He wants to bring. In verse 6, He delivered in the desert and led by straightway to a city. He wants to give some of us direction in community. He wants to give us direction for our lives through the desert. Remember, we can't go over it. We can't go under it. We've got to go through it. But He wants to give us direction and He's bringing us to other people. You are not alone. Hallelujah. Verse 13, He saved and He brought out of darkness and He broke away the chains. Some of us need forgiveness. We need to cry out in our sin and rebellion and hear that there's a God who forgives us and not only forgives us and redeems us, but sets us free. He breaks those chains. I think that's why oftentimes we can't pass a month without singing the song Break Every Chain. It just needs to come back. There is power in the name of Jesus to break what? Every chain. So for some of us, we may need direction. We need community. For others of us, we need forgiveness. We need freedom. In verse 19, He delivered, He saved, and He sent out His Word to heal and to rescue from death. Some of us just need to admit the miracle of resurrection. We're not, we're believing in something that can't fully be explained. And ultimately, God's inviting us to trust Him in. And that we need healing. And part of needing healing is to say, I'm hurting. I'm a wounded person and I don't want to wound other people anymore. I need people to step into my woundedness with me. Some of us need to be restored. But again, the key to this healing, this key to this restoration, this resurrection is the very Word of God. We need to be a people of the Word. And we need to be a people that live by the Word. We need to be a people that speak the Word. And that don't measure it. But let it be what it is. Last but not least, in verse 28, He brought them out of distress. He stilled the storm to a whisper. If that is not a little preview of Jesus, that is so good. He guided them to a haven. Some of us need peace. We're going to sing tremble. The beginning of that song is peace. Bring it all to peace. He can still still the waves. I quoted from Seth Haynes last week. I want to bring it up again from his book, Coming Clean, in which he talked about his deathly ill son as well as his alcoholism, where he says, God is good in that He is deconstructing every structure ever created to keep Him out. And in here in Psalm 107, we see those structures. Whether it's our own fortresses of sin or the world we live in, He is deconstructing those things. But we need to go through it with Him. He is the ever-abiding God who hears us. So we can walk into the desert. We can walk into the distress. We can walk into the darkness and experience the death of the death whisperers. For my own encouragement as I continue to 
need to trust God with this beautiful journey with you people in Worcester together. And the names and faces that you continue to pray out loud with me for others that you want to see experience salvation. That you want to hear that moment when they cry out to the Lord and He hears them and He rescues them. I've read a book called Atheist to Catholics in the last few weeks. Great book. Wonderful collection of stories. One of these who was someone who didn't believe in God at all, whose name is Karen Edmiston. She said, I was boldly and proudly pro-choice, anti-marriage, and a no-child atheist. Why? Because I believe these positions to be fair, compassionate, sensible, and intelligent, because religion was weak and simple-minded. For her testimony that Karen shares with us, she said, I made the fatal mistake to atheism. I started to pray, Jesus, if you are God, show me. And you know what? I can testify to that because I've got friends in this city that I've talked to, and when I ask them to do that, in the midst of whether we call it superstition or rationality, they won't. Like, they will say it to my face, like, no, I'm not going to do that, Mike. Some have said, I'm not going to do that, Mike, because I don't want to find out if he's real. Some of them have said it to me, Mike, I don't want to do that because what if I'll fool myself? And I'm thinking like, wait a second, you're confident enough that you're not fooling yourself that he's not real, but you're also not willing to go in that same space and and then say you'll fool yourself if you think he is real? But the, the steps in this process, and that's not to diminish the thoughtfulness and the care that an atheist takes to arrive at the position they're in, but it is interesting in the midst of that, again, How we encounter Jesus is a cry for help. And are we willing to offer it? Karen in this moment said, I made the fatal mistake to my atheism. And then I just started to pray, Jesus, if you are God, show me. In hers, she had a dream in which she stepped into a place of distress and of death and of darkness. And she was fighting off horrifying visions and what she found herself saying repeatedly in the dream was Jesus Christ my Lord my Savior have mercy on my soul and she woke up and said I guess I believe this then in the moment in which a dream turned into a nightmare in which no power in herself could push it away the words that started come out or Jesus Christ my Lord my Savior have mercy on my soul And when I awoke, I realized I believed Jesus was my Lord. I think for some of us that even call Jesus Lord today, God can still wake you up from your nightmare so that you can realize again, He really is my Lord and my Savior. See, He is willing to shatter the illusion that life can be tamed through our wit's end, or through our wealth, or through however we feel like we need to live. But to be honest, life is unpredictable enough, and our minds and our hearts are unpredictable enough, and people are unpredictable enough, that eventually we'll meet one of those D words. We'll step into distress, we'll step into darkness. And will we be silent, or will we cry out? And so that's my question for you all this afternoon is if you were to look at Psalm 107 during Lent and you were to relent from living some part of your life without Jesus. Let me say that again. If you were to step into the season of Lent and you were to say, you know what, there's a part of my life in which 
I thought it was really good, but maybe God's asking me to pull back. There's a part of my life in which I feel like I got it under control, but God's actually wanting to bring the storm a little bit to bring me to my wit's end. If there was a part in this where you would include yourself, whether through a verse or a grouping of the different peoples it talks about, personally for you, what might be your Psalm 107 verse or verses? Just a question. It's a practice. What's the one that, if you were to first highlight it, you would be like, here's the one. Or maybe, here's the groupings of people. Because again, whenever it says some, it's kind of pulling in this grouping of people. So there might be one for you personally, or there might be a few verses for you personally. Another would be, which are the key for your micro city group? (coughs) Or if you haven't stepped into a community on mission, what might be the next step of faith to consider that in which you would surrender? And say, hmm, I might need to step into that. Or "Mm, maybe God's inviting me to take the next step of faith to maybe step into that later. What are the things that maybe he's saying? Relent from holding on to this. Relent from being distressed about this. Relent from this darkness. Relent from being your own deliverer. So we've got personal, we've got communal. And then another for this season of Lent is just Is there a verse or verses that Emmaus City Church needs right now that you would be willing to pray over these 40 days? That Emmaus City Church needs to be prayed over these words. That we need to be reminded of these words. Or we need to practice these words or embody these words. Verse 43 says, Let the one who is wise heed these things. And in the CSB it says, and ponder the loving deeds of the Lord. In the NLT it says, and remember the story by which we participate with our God. (laughs) That we are the people of God that live out this history. Let the one who is wise heed these things, verses 1 through 42. And not only ponder the loving deeds of the Lord, but how is this our story? And who needs to hear it? 1 Corinthians 1 verse 30 says, God has united you with Christ Jesus. For our benefit, God made Jesus to be wisdom itself. So ultimately in the end, if we are wise, we will heed this story that is the story of Jesus. He is wisdom itself. Christ made us right with God. He made us pure and holy and He freed us from sin. Christ is the wanderer in the desert who brings us into the land of plenty. Christ is the one that goes into the prisoners or goes into the prison and sets the captives free. Christ is the one that even when we're at death's gate, He takes the keys to death in Hades and says, I'll lead you into heaven. Christ is the one that is out on the waters, not only inviting you to walk on the waves, but also speaking peace be still to those waves as well as to your heart. Let the one who is wise heed these things and ponder the loving deeds of the Lord. 1 Corinthians 1.30 ends with, after telling us Christ is wisdom itself, that He has freed us. He's freed us from sin. I recommended a couple books that you might want to read during Lent. One of those books was 
A Beautiful Disaster by Marlena Graves. And I'll close the sermon with this. Just as a consideration, if you're still in that darkness, you're still in that desert place, or maybe that desert place will continue through this season because God has good things to show you and how He fills the hungry with good things. Marlena Graves says this, God uses the desert of the soul, our suffering and difficulties, our pain, our dark nights, call them what you will, to form us, to make us beautiful souls. He redeems what we might deem our living hells if we allow Him. The hard truth then is this. Everyone who follows Jesus is eventually called into the desert. As I grew up in the desert, God grew my soul. Painful but essential lessons that I couldn't have learned anywhere else or from anyone else. He's leading you through the desert spaces as your deliverer to make you a beautiful soul. Will you trust him? Let's pray. Jesus, in this season of Lent, may we relent again from being our own saviors. Maybe we'd be willing to say again, Jesus, if you are God, show me that you're real. Whether that comes in a dream or comes from your scriptures or comes from your Holy Spirit, or from your church, may we cry out. May we not be silent. May we not be still. May we not be reserved. If anything, this Psalm 107 begins with, Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His love endures what? Forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. God, may this season of Lent be one in which we tell the Gospel, not only to each other, But we are so enraptured with your beauty that we can't help tell it to those who right now are still waiting and not willing to say, Jesus, if you are God, show me. Thank you for being patient with us. May we be patient with each other and on this journey with those you've sent us to. We pray all these things in confidence because we're praying in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you don't have a church family yet, we encourage you to find a community near you or join us for worship if you're near Worcester. For more information, go to JesusLovesWorcester.com or email us at info at May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you.